It's the Religious Studies Project, the podcast that you've been waiting for all week, brought to you in association with the British Association for the Study of Religions and the North American Association for the Study of Religions. I'm Christopher Carter. And I'm David Robertson. And this week, we have an interview with James Reagan, and recorded by Sidney Castillo on Amazonian religion in Peru. So take it away, Sidney. Professor James Reagan is Doctor Honoris Causa of the Universidad Nacional Mayor de San Marcos in Lima, Peru. He is a leading researcher of the Amazonian indigenous people. His publications, among them As La Tierra Sin Mal, have depicted in a comprehensive and deep way the religious beliefs of diverse ethnic groups in urban and rural settings. Welcome, Professor Reagan, to the Religious Studies Project. Well, it's, it's good to finally have you here. Um, we're very excited to learn a lot about uh, Amazonian religion, and uh, particularly in the indigenous people, what's the worldview that they have, and what's the prevalence about the, the beliefs about they have about the world and the myth, the myths that they also they have. So, uh, one of the first questions we want to explore here is, uh, nowadays, is it, it is, is it feasible to speak of Amazon societies? No? Where does the indigenous begins and ends? In the Amazon, I, uh, I, there, there are societies that have a very strong identity, like the Awahun and Marantis. But uh, they also, most of them speak Spanish. So when you talk about indigenous people, uh, you can't make a, a clear distinction because there are a lot of Amazonian people who, uh, who are descendants of indigenous people who, who spoke a language, but they may not speak it now, but they, they have uh, a sense of identity, and I think that's the, the important thing because we're not talking about uh, biological, just about biological descendants, but uh, people who uh, live their, their, their native culture. Mm -hmm. And I've worked a lot with the uh, Kokama people, and uh, many of them do not speak the language, but they have a very strong worldview that's mm -hmm. typical of their people. So it's not something like they, they are indigenous because uh, they have lived that way since the dawn of time. That's uh, now. Because uh, some government uh, authorities uh, think that if they, if they use a cell phone, that they uh, are not indigenous. <laughs> One, if you attend uh, a meeting of indigenous leaders, most of them, uh, part of the time they spend uh, talking on the cell phone. Mm -hmm. So their uh, identity has more to do with an uh, inward identity, besides the fact that they were born and raised in the indigenous community, which is part of their identity. Mm -hmm. There are some people who would prefer to, to cover up their, their real identity, mm -hmm. and others are much more open. Open to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, that's interesting. So, for one side, we have the, their own declaration about their identity, but 
from the academia holds that scene, holds that uh, proposed as a concept, holds that the concept of indigenous identity is proposed to these peoples. They fit, don't, they don't fit. Not the, uh, a part of the, their identity is a place where they were born and raised. And another part is their own identification with, with their people, mm -hmm. even though they may be living in some other place. Mm. So it's, it's, it's more than it's like a subjective thing that one feels. It's, it's a combination of their, the way that they were raised mm -hmm. from their childhood and their own choice. Mm. Well, now, regarding that matter, uh, now, we try to con make a concept about Amazon societies, right? But now, uh, there's more a tricky question. Is it possible to conceptualize something as indigenous religion? What would be the differences with the Peruvian, other Peruvian new religious movements, or, or uh, like uh, Asociación Evangélica de la Misión Israelita, el Nuevo Pacto Universal, uh, Misión Rama, and others new Peruvian new Peruvian new religious movements? Well, there's uh, something in common the indigenous religions have uh, developed in close relation to the uh, uh, the place where they live, the uh, the ecology, the uh, uh, their mythologies, for example, are, are based on uh, a relationship to uh, the place where they live, the mm -hmm. animals, mm -hmm. and uh, the. Uh, and their relationship to the physical uh, place where they live mm -hmm. is um, that the, their environment mm -hmm. is what we call animism. And early in the last uh, few decades, Philippe Descola, mm -hmm. a French anthropologist, has been reviving the idea of animism. Mm -hmm which fell into disuse for a while because of, at the end of the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century, those, that concept was uh, pretty much abused. But um, now anthropologists are returning to the idea of animism that mm -hmm. the uh, nature is uh, filled with spirits and gods that um, have to do with the, the environment. Mm -hmm. And I know the Hawahun people, they have um, uh, myths about, that deal with uh, the environment, the uh, one myth, the, the Nunquis, which are uh, like women, but they live below the surface of the earth and they, they make the plants grow and uh, uh, 
some children mistreated the daughter of Amanunquis, and so they lost their uh, biological diversity on uh, edible plants, and so they had to uh, find these Amanunquis women and, and ask them to, to return what they had lost. And another myth, it's a, it's a great hunter, and he almost uh, uh, exterminates all the species of birds. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was just one small bird left. And uh, this bird explained to this man what he, had, what he was doing, mm -hmm. and showed him how to uh, repopulate the earth with, with birds. He told him to put um, a feather in his, uh, his blowpipe mm -hmm. and, and, and blow the feather and it, it turned into a, a bird. And mm -hmm. so he uh, restored the uh, population of different species of birds by using the feather. Mm -hmm. But that, that's a type of um, uh, myth that, uh, that has a lot to do with, uh, with ecology. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, these myths have been built up over uh, uh, centuries, mm -hmm. haven't been told and been told many times. That, uh, uh, and they also have um, a common structure mm -hmm. that uh, Lady Strauss uh, says that has to do with the structure of the mind, the human mind. Because these, these stories have been told so many times, they start uh, picking up uh, certain patterns. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what they start studies. And so I think that uh, as far as the structure of uh, indigenous religion, uh, mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with the, uh, uh, the way of thinking of, of uh, Amazon and people, and also the uh, the fact that the, uh, uh, the Mission de Sarita is based on uh, uh, sacred books, you know, the scriptures, mm -hmm. and, uh, which means literacy, whereas the Amazonian is um, developed as a means of, of, of thinking about the reality. And for people that haven't had in the past uh, systems of writing, they uh, develop a, a way of uh, remembering mm -hmm. and of uh, really doing their, their thinking, their philosophy, uh, through stories, especially stories about um, human-like creatures that in the, at the end of the myth they turn into animals or trees, mm -hmm. but um, it's, a, it's a very interesting way of, um, uh, of uh, reflection of thinking mm -hmm. about the reality uh, for people that uh, haven't had the system of writing. Mm -hmm. And as, as far as the Muslim drama, Well, it deals with uh, people from other planets, mm -hmm. and 
whereas the uh, native indigenous roots and deals with the place where they live mm-hmm. and uh, the things that surround them, the animals and trees and plants. And uh, it's what the uh, Amazonian people also use. Um, Psychoactive mm. substances to, to see that reality, reality that's within the, the plants, or we um, can see the spirits of the animals, and that has a, a strong influence on their on their religion. Mm. But the, their religion is not um, organized uh, like a church, mm-hmm. and they. Um, religions uh, that we know that are based on sacred books and certain uh, mm. types of organization because uh, animism is a characteristic of uh, um, religion and has been in almost every part of the world mm-hmm. and, uh, but uh, very little most of them haven't um, developed into a church. Maybe the, uh, some of the Oriental religions like Shintoism mm-hmm. uh, is much nearer to uh, uh, an animistic type of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the animists in, in the Amazon, the animists in, in Africa, or New Guinea, uh, aren't aware of the animism of other, other people, because mm-hmm. it deals with the place where they live. Mm-hmm. So it's limited to the, the, the geography that they were, uh, they are located most yes. of the time. But also they have this concept, since you make the remark that it's obviously it's not a, something that can be transmitted into books or uh, writing writing, but in oral tradition. So they have to think, or well, they don't have to think, but they uh, transmit these ideas about supernatural events or uh, beings. There there is some way uh, easier to remember, right? They're more easy to remember. That's what they're so prevalent today. But that's interesting because this has to do also with our next question about uh, well, in your book, Hacia la Tierra Sin Mal, this is a great treatise on Amazonian religion. Uh, you present your research on the Jesuit, Jesuit missions on the Amazon basin. What was the impact of this mission in the native beliefs? Yes, well, the, uh, the native Amazonian people have incorporated Christianity into their, their worldview, but they, um, it's been an incorporation and a transformation of Christianity without losing their own identity. And the, um, for example, the, uh, there are stories about the, uh, the creation of the world by, by God, but um, interesting thing, the first Jesuit who wrote about uh, the missions in uh, 
en la provincia de Mazana, a Francisco de Figueroa, a, a, said that the, the people believe in God and believe that God created the world, but they don't, uh, they don't adore him. Yeah. And that seems strange, especially the, the Jesuits, um, the whole idea that um, we were made to, to love and serve God, mm -hmm. to adore him. And uh, people didn't have that idea. But I think that's because they, uh, they had egalitarian societies and they didn't, um, uh, they didn't uh, have a concept of hierarchy. Mm. And so they, the, the idea, especially you know, Spanish was strong hierarchical society, mm -hmm. that um, uh, for them the, um, the idea of God is a, is a king with his court mm -hmm. and people serving him and praising him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's some space they didn't have. So the uh, what the uh, the Jesuit missionaries did, they taught the people to sing and play Baroque music, and that's something that uh, they did in practically all their missions. They, uh, they taught them to, to um, play the violin, to uh, play a, a clarinet mm -hmm. and other instruments. And they formed orchestras and choirs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a, a lot of information in the writings of the Jesuits in the Amazon about this, but um, they haven't found any of the um, uh, the music that was used. Mm -hmm. But in, uh, in Bolivia, in, in the eastern, or the Amazon, the part of Bolivia, they, they found several thousand copies of music mm -hmm. uh, that was used in the missions. Mm -hmm. And they've uh, formed some orchestras that, that play that music. Mm -hmm. In the year uh, 2008, one of these orchestras came here to Peru and they, they played music in San Pedro mm -hmm. and also in the Luis de Montoya. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, um, it's very beautiful music and the, uh, the missionary said that the, their orchestras were as good as any European orchestra. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, it was the music at that time, but it was the music for um, uh, the liturgical purposes to be used in mm -hmm. in the church, they used it, um, uh, but they taught the native people to to read and write music, mm. and uh, because everything, of course, had to be done by hand. Mm -hmm. They uh, they allowed the people to use their own music for their own uh, celebrations, their own festivals, but they. Uh, for the church, they taught them uh, the music of their time and European Baroque music, such as it's a very complex, but the uh, people were very much attracted by 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, shown in the, uh, the movie that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the, uh, uh, so I... Practically uh, I found that the, uh, the people have uh, made a, a selection. They've incorporated a lot of things like the... Uh, uh, what amazed the, uh, the first missionaries is that the... Uh, Amazonian people had uh, myths about a deluge. Mm-hmm. But that's a very common thing in Amazon people. They have floods. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, they had their own versions of uh, some of the people climbed up trees and the tree kept growing so that they wouldn't be drowned. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> others save themselves on a raft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they modified the. Uh, uh, also, the the damage uh, lasted three months. Is what the the, uh, the floods mm-hmm. last for three months on Amazon. And so they adapted these things. They. Uh, uh, but they all, in some cases, they made a selection. I found them the Kokama people. Mm-hmm. One, one man told me that it's not true what the priests teach about life after death, mm-hmm. about heaven. He said, the, uh, because we know that the souls stay on earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they feel the presence of people after they die. And so, but others have made a, have adapted their own thinking to include what, uh, what they try to understand from you know, uh, what they learned in the mission for Jesuit and also the Franciscan mission. Mm-hmm. They, um, so they, they have an idea that uh, when a person dies, their soul wanders around until it finds a baby that's about to be born. Mm. It's been born. And so some of them have developed the idea that we have two souls. One soul is created by God and goes back to God when a person dies, and the other soul wanders around until it finds a way of incarnate. So they, didn't, they, they don't give up their own ideas to incorporate. The, uh, I've seen some of the uh, uh, drawings that some young people, the uh, Chayuita or Shari people, mm-hmm. uh, who, who live between Yawahumi and Kokama, and they, uh, they were uh, evangelized by the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. And they have, um, uh, in their world view, there are several levels. levels. There's a uh, subterranean level where there's one guy that holds up the earth. Mm-hmm. And he raises the animals and sets them free so that the, the men can hunt them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's another level, it's, it's uh, on the surface of the earth, 
and our third level is the, uh, the sky, which um, includes um, birds and the souls of dead people. Mm -hmm. But they've added another level where they put uh, God and angels. <laughs> and so they just added a level to their... To their previous hell, their beliefs. Yeah. And uh, the... Uh, So it's one of the things that was interesting in, in the research for this um, this book was to uh, to see how the people have incorporated their Christianity because this study was done among the uh, Spanish-speaking population and certain uh, indigenous groups that were uh, evangelized by the Jesuits, mm -hmm. through the the Cocama, the Quichuas. Mm -hmm. basically, because many of the others were not, uh, uh, become Christians later on. They, uh, had, uh, but uh, these people, it was interesting because they, um, to see how they uh, reinterpreted some of the Christian beliefs mm -hmm. and adapted them to their own situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kokama is this, it's this um, uh, Francisco Figueroa uh, mentions uh, the episode of uh, the incarnation. They even have an idea that uh, the soul of uh, a dead person can replace the soul of the person that's living. That was uh, similar to what happened in Paraguay in the Jesuit missions that uh, some of them took on uh, when they were baptized, they take a Christian name. So mm -hmm. some of them thought that the soul of that saint uh, replaced their own soul. And uh, so that, that was an unexpected result. <laughs> Because um, there's a religious movement in the uh, Amazon that was started around 1975 among the Kokamas. Mm -hmm. But there was a, a preacher from Brazil that preached in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And they thought he, had, he was uh, the creator guide that had returned to announce the, the, the destruction of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they started their own religion. Yeah. And that's, uh, they, uh, in part based on uh, what they understood Christianity to be, Christianity on the old missions, mm -hmm. and, um, and their worldview of a God that destroys the world. And, and, creates a new world, mm -hmm. and sort of a, a cyclical process. And the, uh, the night goes along with, it, with the idea of God that they had that um, uh, because very often the, uh, the idea of God that we have has a lot to do with the, uh, 
organization of our, our society mm -hmm. and uh, a very hierarchical society is a hierarchical idea of God. Mm -hmm. Their idea that God was that um, uh, when after the, the last deluge, the flooding of the earth, um, when he, um, there was a family that was saved on a raft, mm -hmm. and um, they, um, when he finished the creation, he went back to his farm. Mm -hmm. Then uh, they didn't have any idea of a God that uh, is concerned with the uh, everyday life of the people. Mm -hmm. that, um, it just comes back when, when there's a crisis in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what they thought this, this Brazilian uh, preacher was. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy that had returned, and, and that, you know, a lot of them thought that he, he was a reincarnation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because um, uh, they need a, a fusion or a, a syncretism mm -hmm. between Christianity and the In this, this case that you're mentioning, uh, what was the context? Uh, it was a cause of crisis, or well, there was a um, very severe flooding of uh, the, the rivers. A lot of them lost their crops. They, uh, uh, but it was also a time when uh, the. There were several factors. The uh, economic crisis, mm -hmm. uh, economic, and also uh, they were losing their indigenous identity, mm -hmm. and so they've uh, built up a, a new identity, but based on uh, uh, their own understanding of. Uh, what their uh, ancestors, ancestors were learned in the missions. Mm. And, uh, but it was, it was partly uh, uh, a natural disaster of the, the Amazon River uh, uh, grew to Flooded uh, two meters higher than, than ordinarily. That mm -hmm. meant a lot to the people who had their, their farms and their, uh, along the uh, the river mm -hmm. uh, lost their, their crops and, and also the uh, time when they had begun the exploration for oil. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of men, especially, left their families to work for the oil companies. Mm. And so they, the family pretty much abandoned. And they, when their work finished, they, they went to the cities to look for work. And they couldn't find work. Yeah. And so this has also had an effect. According to them, the, uh, they started to search for the rank without evil, which is a, a 
to mix the number in to be where I need people. Because mm -hmm. the Kokama said, uh, to be where I need. Mm -hmm. And well, the same thing happened in uh, Paraguay and southern Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also the. Um, Now in Bolivia, there's a movement also. Uh, and the, their idea is that um, all these problems that they have uh, come from uh, evil. And so they, especially the cities, are evil places that they have to uh, uh, lead. That's why the, um, the, the title of the book is. <laughs> It was a land without evil. That's one of their, their aims, is to create a society without evil. Mm -hmm. And that means uh, abandoning the, city, the cities to live in, uh, in um, more remote areas of the Amazon, mm -hmm. but on high, high ground, so they won't, they won't be filtered. So there's um, uh, a sense of reality of their myths, not just stories for them, historical mm -hmm. facts mm -hmm. that can be repeated. Oh. And, uh, and nowadays, how do you see that? that uh, that worldview takes place in, in a political conflict. Regarding you mentioned about the oil, the oil company, yeah. and that uh, in some way that erupt in, into their their way of living. Well, of course, the, the um, Amazon people had the idea that there's a. Uh, A serpent um, that uh, lives in, in the river, and it's a protector, it's a spirit protector of the, the fish and other animals that live in the water. They call the programmers call it Purawa. But um, I found that idea in the mestizo population from. Uh, Moyobamba, in the north to uh, Puerto Maldonado in the south. It's a very common belief that the, if this uh, serpent goes away, then the, the river or the lake will dry up. Mm -hmm. And so what the Kokama people are saying now is that Kodawa is leaving, taking all the fish with her. Mm. And, uh, They're very concerned because of the uh, contamination of the river. They've been very affected by oil spills. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, uh, so uh, that part of their, their mythology is very real to them. They, and they believe that the uh, people that live Beneath the water, mm. the cities where the drowned people go to live. <laughs> so when they don't find a body of a person who is drowned, then they 
is because they, they are living at the bottom of the river. Now, uh, I want to ask you, uh, what is this, it's clear now that they have a somewhat different worldview about uh, different different uh, realities about the environment, practically, most, most of them. But we all live in a, in a society, wider society than the immediate one. So uh, you also wrote about uh, this issue of the conflict between the state and a uh, specific uh, Amazonian population called uh, One Piece, or only One Piece. Uh, and uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about, in relation to the world that indigenous people share, you describe in the article that the Wahuna One Piece against the state, that the conflict with the state happened because of the difference of workers. Because you explain this idea, is, is it uh, just the conflict of war with, or is it something else? Okay, yeah. Uh, as I said, uh, the, the worldview is very related to, to nature, to the environment. And for them, the uh, uh, for the, the for the state, improvement state, uh, anything that's found uh, on their land, like uh, oil, mm -hmm. belongs to the state. And for them, uh, what is below the surface of the earth is, is sacred, because mm -hmm. where the nucleus live, they make plants grow. They also raise wild animals. So the men can hunt them. Mm -hmm. And their, their whole worldview is about that. And also the, um, the forests also are sacred places. The waterfalls at the are sacred places mm -hmm. where their spirits are. And so uh, the the state views uh, these places uh, as resources that, that they can exploit, mm -hmm. but they have a different view. They, uh, and in general, the indigenous Amazonian people uh, have an idea of development, which is different from the Western concept, which is uh, uh, to produce, to make a profit, mm -hmm. Accumulate money or accumulate um, material mm -hmm. things, but uh, Amazon people, the idea is to um, have good health, good food, uh, good education, but in such a way that uh, their children and grandchildren can. So it's, they're very careful about the use of the land mm. and uh, our have experienced for the past 30 years of oil exploration. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there are some effects of that in their, uh, their lakes and rivers. And so on. Uh, 
basically the politics has a very materialistic uh, view, mm -hmm. an economic view of the resources, whereas they, they have a personal re relationship with nature. And the, uh, the women call the plants in their gardens, they call them their, their daughters. Mm -hmm. And the men call the animals that they uh, uh, that they hunt. Mm -hmm. They call them brothers in law. And so they uh, they establish they have songs that establish this relationship with the natural world around them. They, so they're, they're very careful, and um, they knew very well what was happening in uh, the president proclaimed uh, some decrees mm -hmm. that uh, would affect them. They're, they're very much aware of the, uh, and they consulted a lot before they, they even tried uh, meeting with government officials, mm -hmm. but they didn't have any success. They, um, and they, they had a very effective use of uh, the protest that they organized was, uh, they had very good communications with their cell phones. Mm -hmm. and, uh, But there's two conflicting uh, worldviews uh, because they're uh, and they're different from the Indian people have, have a different idea of progress of um, uh, investment and making money mm -hmm. uh, and they they're somewhat amazed with the uh, the colonists that go into their territory. Mm -hmm. that, uh, why do they keep producing mass mm -hmm. and mass? Mm -hmm. Why did they produce more and more? Mm -hmm. they, um, uh, when they have more than they need, mm -hmm. so they're, uh, they're much more uh, concerned with, with conservation of what they have. Mm. So, that's that's really interesting how um, how we can here. Uh, I, I want to comment on one of the problems. What would you say are the advantages and disadvantages? Well, it, it's been a really uh, insightful to hear that this uh, this was indeed a conflict of worldviews. Now that you mentioned that they have a really strong deep connection with nature. I guess that I guess that is that is a so in some way that is pre more prevalent in some people than other, and other of of course have a, a financial interest in selling some parts of the land. But uh, that's uh, I guess that because of what you say that's not the the whole uh, the general case, right? It's more it's more to 
It has more to do with nature, it has to do with a sustainable way of life. So, uh, well, Professor Reagan, it has been a great pleasure to have you here in the Real Science Project, and uh, we look forward to have another interview in the future. Thanks. So you started off this podcast, David, with a, a nice sort of polished uh, radio presenter uh, vibe. Um, uh, you know, listeners, if you liked it, send me a message. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Anyway, thanks so much, uh, Sydney, for that interview. Great to hear that. And great um, to have interviews um, coming from South America now, um, which is fantastic. So th- there's a real globalization of the RSP happening. We've got interviews from South America sponsors in Europe, the BASR in North America with the with Nasser, and um, now perhaps from Australasia as well. Indeed. Well, the the AASR, the Australian Association for the Study of Religion, has come come aboard as a sponsor. Have they? They have indeed, um, and they are going to be sponsoring our newsletter, um, our weekly. Well, if you sign up, you can get a weekly digest with the podcast, the response, and anything else we've put out, the opportunities digest and everything. Or um, you can get it daily, well, or, or, right. as and when the things are. Or individual emails, yes. But this um, that service is uh, not free, and so now the Australian Association is going to be uh, sponsoring that for us, which is great. And it's great to have them on board, especially as they've been very supportive of the project. Um, Our number one fan, Carol Cusack. Here's in- a shout-out in- to you. Indeed. But a number of other uh, a number of other people have also um, contributed over the years, and uh, it's great to have a foot in another continent. Yeah. So Asia, we're looking at you. Um, if you listen to us in the vastness <laughs> that is Asia, um, why not ping us a message and just let us know? Um, it, it's somewhat. Um, it has not yet been colonized by the RSP. <laughs> Likewise, we must have a listener in Africa somewhere who can who can um, step in, step up to the plate. Yeah. Um, we need you. Apologies that I'm a little bit delirious this week. Um, you know, it, it, it's what happens. It's that time in the semester. Essays have come in, treading water. Um, but we're really delighted that you're listening. And... Um, Come back next week when we're speaking to Kelly Baker. And that's an interview, another one of the interviews that A. David Lewis recorded. And it's on everything from the Ku Klux Klan to zombies. Um, so it's another in our sort of series on religion and popular culture. Indeed, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Um, I like the zombies and the Ku Klux Klan, so it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm quite Curious to see how she connects the two, but um, I'm sure Dave will uh, talk us through. You do realise that if you ever stand for US president, that, that there's going to be a sound bite cropped out there. Yeah, because you can't be US president and like zombies. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, um, we're going to stop talking there before um, we say anything more that we shouldn't. Um, so remember our Amazon links dot com dot co dot uk dot ca. Remember Facebook. Twitter, iTunes, Google+, YouTube, everything. If you want us, there are so many ways to get us. Thanks for listening.